I am not your fucking sex doll. Welcome to the Queendom. Your host, Lauren Hello, all my queens and kings. Welcome back to Thy Queendom Come. I am your host, Lauren. And today we are talking all about sex. Gasp everywhere. <laughs> we love sex. We hate to talk about it. And If you're one of those who thinks you hate sex, then this conversation is definitely for you because we are putting it out there. I'm going to start by commenting on a recent podcast that was sent to me by a friend. It is Mr. Ben Shapiro, (laughs) whom I personally find extremely difficult to listen to for a myriad of reasons, but we don't have time to get into that. Um... On one of his recent episodes, Mr. Shapiro comments about how in the past, we kept what happens in the bedroom in the bedroom, and he finds it absolutely deplorable that we have started to talk about it openly and how women have started to reclaim their sexuality. He just doesn't vibe with it. And here is my thought on that. Sex is the most powerful form of connection that exists. It creates life. It is meant to be a space that we experience such extreme pleasure and connection with our own bodies and ourselves with each other and intimacy. Everyone wants mind-blowing sex. Everyone wants these like earth-shattering vagina explosion orgasms, but we're never actually taught how to achieve that. We're never taught how our bodies work. We're never taught how to pleasure ourselves. And also, ironically enough, we're taught that orgasms and coming is the end-all be-all of every sexual experience, that it's this goal that we have to achieve. And if we don't achieve it, it's a waste, which is just not true, right? Sex is about being so present and dropping into whatever comes up in that space. Um, But it's just funny because while it's this end all be all, that's what we're taught. We're still not taught how to achieve it. (laughs) It's kind of like running in the dark. One of my yoga instructors in Bali, who is now a coach, a relationship coach, posted something on Instagram not too long ago that I found extremely powerful, and I'm just going to read it. By the way, his name is James Mattingly. You can find him at james.mattingly on Instagram. It's M-A-T-T-I-N-G-L-E-Y. He has a lot of super... um great thoughts and a lot that you can learn. So look him up. He says, imagine it like this. You have to play the violin to someone you love deeply. You've only ever practiced by yourself in the dark. You feel a huge pressure and judgment to not only be good, but to be a rock star. You've never had a teacher and even talking about getting lessons is taboo. How could this possibly lead to beautiful music? I think that that is absolutely profound because we only ever learn about sex 
by putting it on this pedestal in extremely unhealthy ways via movies or porn. The only thing that porn has effectively taught us is that sex is meant to be a performance and that how it looks and sounds is more important than how it feels. Like, no, my leg up there does not fucking feel good. That was meant for the camera to get a good shot of cock and balls and vag. And honestly, if you feel like grabbing the sheets and rolling your eyes into the back of your head, fucking send it. But if you're performing, sweetheart, no one's coming to give you an Oscar for this shit. So we either learn about it this way or we learn about it in a mediocre and essentially useless fashion in school or maybe within some family context or within the church. But most of the time, sex is taught to us as something that, I mean, if you do it, you're going to get STDs pregnant and essentially die. Uh, Mean Girls reference, what, what? But we don't ever talk about how our bodies work. We never talk about the sacred space that sex is. And then we wonder why we don't have these mind-blowing orgasms. We, a lot of women, believe that they're not even capable of having orgasms. And the thing is, is if you are a woman and you have the female parts, you are so capable of having many different types of orgasms. But we're not taught about that. And we don't talk about it because it's taboo and there's so much shame surrounding it. And the thing is, is not only should we be talking about what happens in the bedroom, outside of the bedroom, because it is a beautiful thing. Sex is not a nasty, filthy, disgusting thing that should be kept in the shadows. It is, it creates life. It's incredible. It's, it's the most powerful form of connection that you can have with another human being. But the other reason that we talk about it, that we need to talk about it, is because I'm willing to bet that sexual trauma is one of the heaviest that we carry. And unfortunately, we cannot compartmentalize these traumas, these, these moments that become deeply embedded shame and guilt. Those don't stay in the bedroom. Those follow us out into the world and impact every part of our lives. And that's why we need to talk about it. And I'm not just talking about sexual traumas as in rape and assault, which that is just on another level. I'm talking about a form of trauma that I feel like most women, at least a majority of the women in my life and who I have met and talked to, there are these traumas that are seemingly not so significant, but they compound, they build on top of each other. Every time that we enter into a sexual encounter and we have this idea of what it should be and we don't live up to that, insecurity is built. Every time that we don't listen to our bodies, that we say yes when we really needed to say no, trauma. Every time we use sex as an escape, as and it's, it's transactional and we use somebody and somebody uses us, trauma. Anytime it becomes a duty, it becomes something that we have to do, trauma. <laughs> Every time that we weaponize sex, how often have you heard, oh, he's not getting any tonight 
Oh, he did that? He's not getting any tonight. Every time we weaponize sex, it devalues it. It takes away from the beauty that it is meant to be. It's not meant to be transactional or a reward for doing something good or a punishment for not. All of these seemingly small incidents become compounded and it impacts our view and our experience of sex. And for women, all of these sexual traumas and negative sexual experiences are stored in our cervix. And the cervix is the entrance to the womb. It is a woman's sacred center. It, it is the space that is the entrance for where life is created. And painful experiences cause our cervixes to become numb and reclusive. And cervical orgasms are so uncommon because of all of the repressed emotions and, and tension that we store. Our cervixes become tight and they're not relaxed. Our cervix is like a muscle. If I had a tight muscle and I went to get a massage and they just started plowing into it, it would hurt like hell. And that's the thing with our cervix. When we go to have sex and it's tight and it's reclusive and it's tense and you just start taking it to pound town, it's painful. That's why your cervix, it has to be opened up like a flower, more or less. <laughs> and it takes about 30 to 40 minutes of arousal for your cervix to fully drop, but it also takes work. It takes work to release some of those emotions, some of those negative experiences that are stored in your body, you know, and our muscles, um, fascia, our fascia stores our trauma and our, and our negative experiences. That's why if you've ever done a yoga class or been dancing or having a physical experience and all of a sudden you have an emotional reaction. It's because these memories are stored in our bodies and we have gotten into such a habit of disconnecting our mind and body and our memories, our experiences with our physical nature. And, but the two are, are so interconnected and in order to be able to release physically, it starts in the mind. The cervical orgasm is considered the unicorn of orgasms because it is so hard to achieve because of all of the sexual shame and trauma that we experience. But they have been said to reunite us with our souls, literally transport us to another dimension. To have a cervical orgasm is the most powerful form of manifestation in your life that you could possibly do because your womb is the center of creation, of life. It is your life force center and it is used to create life, but it's also creating our lives every single day. That life force, that creative energy all comes from that same space. Something that can certainly help with loosening up this area is something called yoni eggs. I got one last year in order to kind of go on this journey because full disclosure, I haven't had a cervical orgasm. I sure as shit want to and I'm dedicated to the work to be able to achieve it because I believe that my birthright is to experience the most pleasure in this life. It wouldn't be 
possible if it weren't meant for us. And so you can get a jade yoni egg. I think there's other types of stones as well, but mine is jade. And essentially you plop it in there and do yourself a little meditation and it helps to loosen up the cervix and begin to heal it. So that's that. So this is why it's so important to talk about these things openly and honestly because they hurt us. And once we can talk about them and realize that we're not alone in it, first of all, and second of all, it just loses its power. These negative experiences, these shameful moments lose their power when we speak them out. And especially when we speak them out to each other and we can be there for each other and learn from each other. Again, How are we supposed to have the mind-blowing sex of our lives if we are not talking and learning and sharing? We want to talk about it, of course, because we want to get these hurts out there. But also, we talk about it so that we can live in the fullness of what sex was meant to be, what it is designed to be, and how it can shift our lives and the way that we view ourselves and each other. So my personal journey with this (laughs) starts about eight years ago. I was at a like women's retreat type of thing and it was connected to a church. One of the women speaking said, I decided to go on a one-year hiatus from sex, men, dating, all of it, because I had never made a good decision regarding men. And in that moment, I was actually dating someone, but I was like, man, that's what I need to do. I need to just quit cold turkey of a year of no sex and no dating. And I just need to be celibate, which side note, I now think it's kind of insane to realize that you're very bad at something. And so the answer is to quit it altogether. I mean, (laughs) we've heard it. We've all heard it. You know, my dating life is a disaster or I'm just so shit at dating. So I'm just, I'm just going to take a break. I'm going to stop. Not to say that breaks aren't sometimes necessary, but if you're a terrible piano player and you want to be like Mozart, chances are you're not going to just like stop it and then hope that when you pick it up a year from now, it's going to go great. You know, I mean, anyways, so there's that. I will be the first to tell you that I tried to do this for six years, multiple times a year. I mean, I have in my journal so many times where I'm like, all right, Lauren, no sex in 2018. You can do it oh, but, you know, so-and-so is coming to visit. (laughs) This was an actual real story. I was like, I am going to be celibate for a year. And I was living in Korea and I had a guy coming from another part of Korea to visit for the weekend. And I was like, oh yeah, I'll I'll be fine. (laughs) Of course not. No. I mean, it blew up in my face every single time. And eventually what I realized is that I wasn't doing it for me. I wasn't doing it because I thought sex was bad. I was doing it because I was taught that sex was bad. 
and it wasn't something that I should engage in. But if it's inherently bad, if sex is inherently bad and that's what we believe it to be, then why would it matter who I have sex with? Why would it matter if I have meaningless or toxic sex? Because it's all bad, right? And eventually I realized that it's not sex that's bad at all. It's the way that we go about sex. It is the way we view it. It's the way we view each other in those moments. And I realized that it's not about quantity. It is about quality. It is about realizing that sex is beautiful and powerful. And once I realized that, now I can start to reflect on who is worthy of being in that space with me. Who do I want to share that moment with? It's sacred. Sex is an exchange of energy. You are literally colliding and it is an exchange of energy. So if I am in a toxic space in my life, that energy is going to pass over. If my partner is in a toxic space, that, pa- that energy is going to be passed on. And if the connection itself is not a truthful, authentic, genuine one, that is going to affect the sexual experience. What I am not shitting on here is casual sex. Lord knows your girl has loved, does love casual sex. But there is a difference in healthy casual sex and toxic casual sex. As long as everyone is being honest and open and transparent in the interaction and it's mutually beneficial then fucking go at it. I don't think that every experience needs to be with somebody you think is going to be your life partner. Like that just doesn't resonate with me at all. Um, I just think that there is a way to go about casual sex that is respectful to yourself and to each other. There is a reason why when you are so deeply connected to someone, sex is so insanely powerful versus when you go fuck somebody from the bar right? And I actually find it quite a shame and sad that so often within the context of meeting somebody at a bar or just being fucked up in general, we feel more comfortable to experience sexually, uh, to experiment sexually, to be outside of our comfort zone because whatever, you know, um, external substances have lowered our inhibitions and our uh, self-awareness. <laughs> so we feel comfortable doing things that we wouldn't necessarily if we were sober. But what if we could enter into sexual experiences feeling safe and feeling respected and we could experience and experiment in these healthy ways in a healthy state of mind? That doesn't make us feel like total shit the next day. And from there... Once I realized this, I began really to get in touch with my body. And something that I practice these days is what does a full body yes feel like? What does a full body no or a partial no feel like? In a lot of sex courses, there's this exercise where people will stand face to face and will ask each other a series of questions. So for example, if somebody was asking me, is your name Lauren? I would say, no. Are you in Sacramento right now? No. Do you want to fuck me? No. Do you have straight hair? No. And you answer no to all of these questions and you begin to truly feel what it's like 
to say no and to mean it and what it feels like to say no and it not to be true. You can feel it in your body. Again, our bodies and our minds are so connected and you can begin to feel in your body. For me, it's in my stomach. It's in my gut. When I say no and I mean it versus when I don't. And then we do the same thing with yes. So you ask a series of questions and you respond yes to each of these questions. And then you can really feel what it's like to actually mean yes. Because how many of us have ended up sleeping with someone or in a situation that we said yes to, but our bodies knew? It's that gut feeling, right? Our bodies knew that it was not a full body yes. And that is something that has carried over into my life, into my day-to-day interactions, into my relationships, into the opportunities that I do and do not take. I ask myself, is this a full body yes? And if it's not a 100% full body yes, it's a fuck no sis. And you have got to start honoring that. Because when you say yes, when you really mean to say no, trauma, shame, guilt, and it gets compounded in your body and it doesn't stay in the bedroom. It follows you out into every single facet of your life. And that is just not it. That is not queendom energy. I ask myself now in these situations, am I acting out of love? Am I in this experience from a loving and genuine, authentic place? Or am I here out of fear? Am I here to fill a void? Am I using this person or this situation to escape? Am I running from something or from someone? And when you can really be honest with yourselves about these questions, your life begins to change because you take charge. I take charge of what it is that I truly desire. And you know, something that makes this extremely difficult and uncomfortable to talk about is this idea of purity culture. A lot of women claim to have a very low desire for sex, or it feels like a duty, something they have to do. But if we ask ourselves how we learned about sex, the words that are associated with it, such as dirty, impure, smashing, banging, doing the nasty, the filthy, our mindset is so important And we can't just compartmentalize these feelings and expect it to change when we're in the act into something that's beautiful and incredible. There's so much guilt and shame built into those words and built into the way that we talk about sex. And are those thoughts supposed to change overnight? Are those thoughts supposed to even change with a a marriage ceremony? There was a story I read this years ago and it stuck with me. There was a story of a girl who she was telling it about how when she was 10 years old, she committed herself to her virginity until she was married, which first of all, I think it's absolutely fucking insane for a 10-year-old to make that type of commitment, especially in the church, especially to what is usually an older man. (laughs) It's insane. But she made this commitment to remain a virgin until her wedding night. And 
years later in her 20s, she was going to get married and everyone in the church knew that this was a part of her that and they celebrated her because of it. So when she was engaged, that's all everyone ever wanted to talk about. Are you nervous? Are you excited? Are you ready? What do you think it's going to be like? Her virginity essentially became her identity. And she lived with this for nearly two decades. And then on her wedding night, she ended up spending it in the bathroom floor crying because she felt dirty and impure because she had been called pure, quote unquote, for her whole life. And now she's had sex. Does that make her impure? And just because you have a wedding ceremony, that doesn't mean the years and years of brain paths that have been created around this is just going to magically go away. It doesn't fucking work like that. And even if she did want to wait, that should have been her choice when she was old enough to understand what she was committing to. I personally still don't feel like suppressing that side of us is necessary (laughs) or even really beneficial. I mean, how are we supposed to be great at something we don't ever practice, you know? But, and why would we close ourselves off to, to pleasure that we were, that we came to life to experience? I've said this on one of the episodes before, and I will say it a million times. You can put it on my fucking tombstone. A woman's clitoris has one biological function, and that is pleasure. If that does not tell you that we were designed to experience pleasure, I honestly don't know what will. I am always brought back to the woman's clitoris (laughs) when people tell me that life has to be hard or you know, that we're not supposed to live in the state of pleasure. It's bullshit. But even if somebody decides to not have sex for however long, what would happen if we looked at it as this sacred, beautiful space that we are, I don't want to say saving, but we are waiting to enter into. And I think that a lot of times people try to try to sell it like this, But instead, it actually just comes off as this forbidden fruit. It comes out as this something that we're not supposed to touch or talk about or think about because it's impure. It's gross. It's dirty. And also on the topic of suppressing this desire, how many people who have existed in a church or any type of context that had that there that this forbidden fruit aspect exist. How many times have we seen couples getting married just so they can have sex? <laughs> I mean, come on. Wouldn't it be better to experience each other and learn about each other in this way and then decide if you want to commit the rest of your lives to each other? I don't know. This may be an unpopular opinion, but it certainly is mine. So there it is. Because, you know, if we viewed sex as a sacred offering, as an offering of pleasure back to God, he gave this to us. He, it, source, universe, 
gave us this sacred space to enter into. And if we looked at it like an offering, if we looked at our bodies like a temple in this sacred space, then maybe we would think twice about who we decide to allow to enter into that space with us, right? Because if it's seen as bad as forbidden, then it doesn't really matter. But what if we taught our young people that this is a beautiful and powerful thing and it can be transformational if you have a genuine, authentic connection with the person that you are entering into this space with? And listen, I'm just going to put a quick note here. I by no means am perfect, okay? I have fucked some frogs, all right? Like, I am a very sexual person. I have had a myriad of sexual experiences ranging from absolutely fucking incredible mind-bending to literally, like, worse than a waste of my time. (laughs) So I am by no means perfect at this. I have gotten better at listening to my body and being honest with myself and with whoever is in the situation with me, but it is a practice, especially when you have to unlearn years and years and years of patterns and behaviors and beliefs. But you know, if we did, again, see it as the sacred space, maybe we wouldn't view it as so transactional. Maybe we wouldn't be so detached from our bodies, from our partners, from sex itself. And maybe we wouldn't be so obsessed with just getting our nuts, right? Because sex is about so much more than that. If sex was just about getting our nut, we can go to porn for that. We don't need anybody. But that's not real. That's not what sex and this pleasure was meant to be. That's why in our generation, guys, we think that everyone's out there fucking. And to an extent, you know, maybe they are. But we are more detached now and we have greater detachment issues now than literally ever before. And the Washington Post did a study And they found that in 2018, the number of men under 30 years old who have not had sex literally tripled in 10 years from 2008 to 2018. And they list a number of reasons for this. But one that they didn't list and one that I think is so important is the use of of porn. They don't have to form authentic connections. They don't have to bear their their souls and go through those moments to, to experience this pleasure. They can just go and search through thousands of videos and get their nut very, very quickly. But the problem with that is it desensitizes you. It desensitizes you to the real thing. It forces you to have to need all of this external stimulation in order to have an orgasm or experience pleasure. The feeling of sex, the feeling of connection is no longer what we get off on. We need all of this shit running around in our head, 
right? We need these crazy plots and this crazy, this, this crazy imagery and sounds that, that are just not real. You know, I have been there. I have literally been there. I went through a couple of years where in order for me to have an orgasm, I would have to go somewhere else in my head. I would have to have a mental movie essentially playing of a situation that was not right in front of me. And I could not have an orgasm. I could not experience full pleasure until I had this this reel in my head. And first of all, I would, I would like to say, you know, sex is not all about having an orgasm at all. It's about being present. It's about experiencing your lover. It's about experiencing your body and what comes up in, in these extremely sacred moments. But the fact that I would have to escape and not be present and close my eyes and go somewhere else completely in order to experience, you know, what I believed to be full pleasure, it completely desensitized me to what was actually happening right in front of me. And ultimately, eventually, when I realized how damaging this was and how, if it continues, like, does this become irreversible? You know, I, there are so many men and I'm sure women too, but there are so many men who as they get older, you know, their libidos are naturally decreasing. But now because we just have had so much stimulation from porn, these men are having problems becoming hard, getting erect. They're having problems coming because the feeling of a natural woman right in front of them is just not enough anymore. And the unlearning of that takes a lot takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of effort, a lot more than it does to just mindlessly consume this shit, right? So I decided for myself, eventually, I decided that if my head's not in it, if I am not present, if I am thinking about my day or someone else, <laughs> I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. And by saying no, I'm saying yes to myself. And also I'm saying yes to my partner because that way my partner knows that when I'm there, I am there. And if I'm not there, then I'm not going to be there and we can shift, right? And a topic, a point on that note is being able to say no when you have said yes. If you get halfway through and your head's not in it, being saying no and being honest about that is the greatest gift that you can give to yourself. And that is fully consensual sex. We think about consensual sex as if, okay, I'm at the bar and I say yes. And then I go back. Well, what happens when I'm back there and we are, you know, making out, fooling around and I decide that I don't want it anymore, but I already said yes. It's no longer consensual sex. What happens when we are having sex and, you know, what if, like I said, the cervix takes 40 minutes to fully drop. And that's why if you just take your girl to pound town in the first two minutes, it's going to hurt. It's not going to feel good. Open me up like a flower. Okay. But if this is happening and I'm not enjoying it and I continue to allow it to happen, that is not consensual sex. <laughs> 
you are denying yourself and you're also being taken out of the present moment. And you know, in moments that we decide that we don't want to have sex, that our head isn't in it, when we say no, to be with a partner who accepts that no, who respects where you're at, is huge. If I don't want to be in this situation and it's being pushed on me, come on, baby, come on. Guys, this is not consensual sex. We have to respect ourselves and we have to respect our partners. And, you know, depending on the relationship that you have, maybe you can talk about where your head's at. And then maybe once it's cleared, maybe then you can continue. But also, you don't owe anybody an explanation. If you don't want to have sex, that's all you have to say. You don't owe anybody anything, even your partner in that sense. I mean, communication is absolutely great. But if you're just not feeling it, that should be enough. There shouldn't have to be a huge reason why you're not in the mood. You're just not. And doing it anyway is dishonoring yourself and ultimately dishonoring your partner as well. Who wants to have sex with someone who doesn't want to be having sex? Uh, and when you do it for them, when you're not in it, it builds resentment and it takes away from what it could be if instead of pushing through in the situation that you don't want to be in at that time, if instead of that, you asked yourself why you feel this way, why aren't you present? What's going on? And if it's just that you're not in the mood, if you're not, if you're just tired, that's okay. And that should be respected by your partner. But is it something you're continuously and repeatedly not in the mood for? If so, why? Is there something that needs to be discussed there? Is there something between you and your partner that needs to be addressed? This can be showing up for your partner when you can't show up sexually. This shows commitment to yourself, to your partner, and to your relationship when you talk through these moments instead of shutting down completely or pushing through and doing something that you don't want to do, which ultimately both build resentment and barriers between you. You know, I really hate and I absolutely reject this narrative that has existed in many cultures for a very long time that a woman's job is to make sure that her man is sexually satisfied regardless of whether or not she wants it or is being satisfied herself. Uh, I'm sorry, but <laughs> what kind of man wants to have sex with a woman who is not turned on, who is not wet? That is fucking peasant energy. We are absolutely not fucking with that any longer. King energy is making sure that I am into what's going on, making sure that I am wet and turned on and absolutely for everything that's happening. I am not your fucking sex doll. And the thing is, is when we can trust that I am going to show up in our sexual experience fully present. And so are you. This bond, this electricity is created where you are there together. The world melts away and you are there in that moment together. And that is what sex is meant to be. It is supposed to be this space of complete and utter presence. It's kind of like meditation, honestly. Um, meditation is not about escape. It's not about escaping. It is about sitting with whatever comes up. And there is a 
sex coach on Instagram. Her at is by Sophia Lua, S-O-P-H-I-A-L-U-A. And I've just recently connected with her and her message is extremely powerful. I'm grateful to be virtually connecting with her. And she actually posted something that I'm going to read because I found it insanely powerful as well. And I think it's a very different way of looking at sex. Most people think that sex is to feel pleasure and to have an orgasm. But actually, when you go deeper than that, sex is one of the most potent ways to know yourself, to experience your own body, to transform your own mind, body, soul, and spirit. It is so powerful. So understanding the true nature of sex is one of the big things that I feel called to share. Hell yeah, sis. Have you ever meditated? Sometimes it's bliss, peace, and silence. Sometimes it's pain, discomfort, and memories from the past and things you don't want to face. And the whole goal of meditation is to stay present with all of it, right? That's when you're really meditating. Meditating isn't just about experiencing experiencing peace. Real meditation is about being present through everything that happens in your meditation. Now, what about this? What if real sex is not just about experiencing pleasure? Real sex is about showing up and being present with whatever is happening. In a way, sex and meditation are the same thing. Meditation is the still form of sex, and sex is the active form of meditation. And one of the side effects of experiencing and understanding the true nature of sex is that your body comes alive. Flavors are more flavorful. Colors are brighter. You are more present in your life. When you relate to sex in its true nature, your life starts to pop. You start to feel more integrated and more whole. And it can start to use your sexual energy for your awakening. So I love this because she got me thinking about the true nature of sex. And, you know, I've talked a lot about how we are meant to experience this pleasure But sometimes the pleasure actually comes from truly just being present and being able to work through whatever comes up. Sometimes sex is emotional. Sometimes it's angry. Sometimes it's fury. Sometimes it's passionate. It can be all of these different things. There's no one thing that sex should be. And for me, I think that the pleasure that sex ultimately is is being able to embrace all of those things, being able to experience them with someone who is open to experiencing them as well. So yes, (laughs) Mr. Ben Shapiro, we're going to talk about it because it is the most powerful force on the planet. And also because it is where so much shame and guilt are born. And that shit does not stay in the bedroom. It follows us into the world and it keeps us from experiencing life in its fullest. It keeps us from experiencing joy and pleasure. It affects our perceptions of each other and of ourselves. And it also creates not talking about it and not being open about it creates so many toxic relationships and toxic situations with others and with ourselves and talking about it normalizing it is a way to 
release so much shame and so much guilt, but to also step into this incredible space that we were designed to experience. Also, there is such a thing as an oglo <laughs> because sex releases natural endorphins in your body that literally makes you glow. It makes you magnetic and radiant because pleasure flows from our pores and into the world, but also so does shame, guilt, trauma. It affects our energy and it affects the energy that we put out into the world. And guys, I know that this is a huge conversation and it may be extremely uncomfortable to have, but it's important. And we have so much unlearning and relearning to do. We have so much work to do in order to get back in touch with our bodies, to love our bodies. And that's something that we don't do. You know, we talk about loving ourselves, but we never talk about loving ourselves physically even. You know, we're not taught how to love physically or pleasure physically ourselves. This is, again, I've said this in a past episode, this is why you have 16-year-old girls putting bananas in their vagina and trying to figure out what is this shit that feels good. (laughs) Men masturbating, men male ejaculation, that is something that is so normal. We talk about it. We understand what it is from a very young age. But for girls, no, it doesn't happen. And then they end up experimenting in all these crazy fucking ways. And that's at best. At worst, these girls grow into women who are completely disconnected from their bodies, completely disconnected from joy, who don't get to experience the fullness of what it can be. And honestly, it shows. (laughs) Sexually blocked women, I can literally sense them miles away. Because sexually empowered and sexually embodied women radiate this energy of creativity, of, of excitement, of joy, of beauty, because they're in touch with their bodies and they are experiencing all of this pleasure and it doesn't stay in the bedroom. It pours out into every facet of their life. And on this topic of sexually empowered and embodied women... I was talking to my good friend Skip about this concept and he was telling me that, you know, the best sex that he has ever had has been with women who are fully comfortable in their body and in the way that their body moves and they know how to move their body and they 1000% masturbate. Yeah, you know, there is this weird thing about women masturbating. I remember in the 2000s, I just watched One Tree Hill recently again. And there's this episode where Brooke gets caught masturbating and it becomes this like massive thing. Everyone's like, oh, she's brooking herself, making fun of her for it. And I'm sorry, why? If I don't know how to please me, how the fuck is a man going to know how to please me? Listen, guys, I have been masturbating since I was in diapers. (laughs) Not really, but I have been masturbating actively since I was in seventh grade. You know, I, (laughs) I used to 
pretty much every single night once I figured out what it was. And I'm not even sure I knew what it was exactly, but I would literally be in my bed. I would masturbate once and then I would pray to the gods above to have another one. And I would make all sorts of promises um, if I could just experience this one more time before going to bed and having to wake up and go to fucking school the next day. Um, but I mean, at this point in my life, even bad sex, it's like pizza. It's like still good because I fucking make it good because I know what to do with my body to get where I need to go and to experience what I want to experience. And so there is something to be said for learning how your body works, learning how to pleasure yourself, and then taking that into a, a romantic sexual encounter with someone else. Being sexually empowered yourself and fully embodied and knowing what you enjoy is what keeps things exciting, what keeps that spark alive when you are sleeping next to the same dick every single night if you are in a long-term committed relationship because that newness, that wears off. And if you are not engaging in something you enjoy and that you know how to do, you're just going to fucking stop doing it. It literally breaks my heart to hear that people in long-term relationships used to have this crazy, fiery, awesome sex, and now they haven't had sex in weeks. And I understand that sometimes shit happens in life and we're just not feeling aroused. (laughs) We're not feeling sexy. We're not feeling turned on. But this happens so often where people in relationships just stop having sex. They stop connecting in this way. And it affects your relationship to not connect with your partner in this extremely intimate way. What would it take to reignite that fire? And also, foreplay starts so far out of the bedroom. Foreplay can start during the day right? You can send your partner cheeky text messages or, you know, honestly, when my partner like does the dishes, my love language is acts of service. And when I come home and my laundry's folded, (laughs) I get so turned on. (laughs) But it's just the same as if you're not showing up for each other in each other's specific love languages, which everyone should take that test five love languages to figure out how you most feel loved and how you show love that can really clear up a lot of confusion in relationships but to understand each other's love language and to serve that in each other that can reignite so many fires not just in long-term relationships but also in newer relationships start that shit off right And also when you're physically connecting in this way, your relationship is going to become healthier. It's going to become stronger and more passionate outside of the bedroom. And your kids can see it. Your friends can see it. Other people can see it. They're going to wonder what you have. What's the secret? And it's the fact that you can go to the space with your partner and surrender and play and just be present and be real with whatever's coming up. In shorter, more derogatory words, you're getting dicked down well, sis, and it shows. You glow, he glows, you both glow. It does, again, 
the shit does not stay in the bedroom. It bleeds out and affects every single area of your life. And with that, I feel like this was a lot. (laughs) With that, again, Mr. Shapiro, respectfully, I don't fucking agree with your opinion. I think that (laughs) there is a reason that women of older generations are extremely um, hesitant to state their needs and desires, which, oh shit, I thought I was done. I'm not stating our needs and our desires. Wow. Why are we so hesitant to state what we need and what we desire in the bedroom? Or for that matter, it doesn't have to just be the bedroom. It can be anywhere you're feeling spicy. The car, at a park, unless it's a national park, don't do that. It's a federal offense or anywhere where there's children, really. just I've definitely had sex in places where I could be on some list somewhere, but your girl has gotten away with it. Um, in the hot tub, on a plane, on the kitchen counter, wherever. You should be stating your desires in all of these different locations. When we can share with our partner, this is what feels good, or no, that doesn't feel good. Are we afraid of hurting their egos? I mean, sis, if getting pounded in doggy style for 15 minutes does not make you wet, you need to speak that shit out. This is 100% not the space to tiptoe around somebody's feelings at the expense of our vaginas or enjoyment. What are we so afraid of? We're not even taught how to communicate our needs within the sexual experience. But if you can start doing that, not only is it going to make it better for you, but it also makes it better for your partner because they know that they are pleasuring you in the way that you want to be pleasured. And it's powerful. This level of communication is so powerful. Again, follows you out of the bedroom when you become okay with expressing your needs and your desires and you don't feel like you have to keep them in for whatever reason because you're afraid that they won't be met or you're afraid of hurting somebody's feelings. No, your desires are valid and you should absolutely share them and speak them out so that your partner has the opportunity to serve you in that way. And that, my friends, is fucking love. That is showing up for each other in profoundly special ways. So yes, we are going to talk about these things. I certainly am. I am not going to stop anytime soon. And honestly, I'm not really bothered by who it makes uncomfortable. (laughs) If this conversation is triggering or uncomfortable for you, then I feel you. I am here. But it's your turn to do the work. It's your turn to ask why. Why don't you want to have sex? Why do you have no desire? Why do you view it the way that you do? And go back to childhood. Think about the way that you learned about it. Think about the negative sexual experiences that you have had that have impacted every experience since. You got to dig deep. Nobody can do that for you. But this entire realm of multiple different types of orgasms and intense connection and play and fun and learning about your body and yourself and your mind It's all available to us. We just have to be willing to dive in and nobody can do that for you but you. And with that, I will leave you guys. I love you all. I am so grateful to have this space. 
I am so grateful to each and every one of you who I have connected with. I am so rooting for you. I am rooting for your sex life. (laughs) I am celebrating you. And please share with me your thoughts, your troubles, your challenges. We are all in this together. And no longer are we keeping this shit in the shadows. We're talking about it. We're talking about it loud and we're talking about it proud. And for that, we are all going to have insanely better, insanely better, is that a thing? Insanely better? Yeah. Insanely better sex lives and thus lives in general. Because you know what? When you're well fucked, you glow. And that's just the fucking truth of the matter. So anyways, guys, get sexy this week. Get turned on. Feel yourself. Feel your partner light some candles, put some good music on, wear something hot, feel good, feel amazing, and experience all of the pleasure that this life has to offer you. I'll see you guys next week. 